weeks. Let's turn to the Word of God tonight. Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, please. The 12th chapter of Luke's Gospel. And we will read together God's Word from verse 31 down to the verse number 40. So if you have a Bible there, Luke chapter 12, and we're reading from verse number 31. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, is the speaker in this portion of God's Word, Luke 12, and verse number 31. Dr. Douglas is away tonight, so pray for God's servant that God will bless him. He'll be absent from us for a week or two as well. He's busy in the month of November in ministry. So pray for Dr. Douglas. Let's read from Luke 12 and verse 31. Son of God says, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants, whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself, and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. And we know that the Lord will write the reading or bless the reading of his word to every heart for his own sake and for his own glory. Let's turn please to the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. I want you to consider the parable that's related from verse 35 down to verse number 40. We know that it's a parable because just after the Savior has concluded with the words in verse 40, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Then Peter, verse 41, said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all. And it's the parable of the watchful servants. The parable of the watchful servants. Verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that verse 37 is one of the most remarkable verses 
in all the Word of God. That day that the Lord comes back again and He finds those servants that have been watching and waiting that Christ shall gird Himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. What a remarkable, remarkable verse that the Lord will gird Himself, cause His people to sit down and He Himself will serve them. Let's pray together and let's ask the Lord to speak to hearts tonight. Let's pray. Father, we pray that by thy Spirit, thou will take thy word and apply it to your hearts, glorify thy Son, and grant to God tonight that a work will be done that will bless the people of God, challenge the lost, and bring glory to the Savior's name. Pray for the help of the Spirit of God. Hide me behind the cross. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. One of the great characteristics of society in the last days, both secular and religious, will be sleeping. Many people in the last days, in a spiritual sense, will find themselves in the church, outside of the church, slumbering, and sleeping. And that's why the Word of God calls us to be vigilant and calls us to awake. Romans 13 and verse 11, it is high time to awaken out of sleep. 1 Corinthians 15:34, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Whenever I left school, I remember that summer, 1994, working for my father. He was a manager of a factory, not all that far from the village of Glenavy. It was a rendering plant. Didn't smell too good, mind you, in those hot summer months. And I can remember one time, I don't know where my dad was, but I had to get through the security gate, and it was a beautiful, blisteringly hot summer's day, and the security guard, Rob you called him, was sitting sound asleep, feet up on the bench, head back, and I rang the buzzer a few times, and eventually he stirred, he woke up, and he came out in something of a fluster, and he opened the gates, and he said to me, now please don't tell your dad that I was sleeping. He had been caught sleeping on the job. And I wonder tonight how many professing believers are sleeping on the job. Maybe tonight in a spiritual sense you're sleeping. And the reality is that whenever we're sleeping, we do not know that we're sleeping until someone or something wakes us up. And sometimes we don't like to be aroused from our sleep either. The Lord promises great blessing to those who are wide awake whenever He returns, to those who are watching and worshiping and witnessing and waiting and working in light of the fact that the Son of God is coming back again. And here the Savior tells another one of His great parables We've been thinking over a, a number of months now, and we're coming to a conclusion very soon, some of the great stories that the Savior told. And here's the parable of the watchful servants. Verse 37, Blessed are those servants 
whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. So we think tonight about this great parable, oftentimes neglected and overlooked. I want you to notice, first of all, the pictures the Savior employs. The pictures the Savior employs. In this parable, the Lord gives us two different distinct pictures. Verse number 36 says, And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord, when he will return from the wedding. There's the first picture, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. And then there's another picture given in verse 39. This snow that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken through. And there are two pictures here that the Savior employs to typify the suddenness of his return from glory to this earth for his people. The pictures are very different, but the two different pictures teach the same principle, that the Lord is coming back again, and therefore we must be ready. Verse 38 says, If he shall come, in the second watch. That's the time in the evening from 9 p.m. until midnight. Or he might perhaps come in the third watch. That's the season from midnight to 3 a.m. in the morning. But regardless of when he comes, regardless of what watch he comes again in, the child of God must be ready. In fact, we all need to be ready. Notice the picture that's given in verse number 36, a picture of a man returning from a wedding. Now, we mustn't press the details too far as far as prophetic fulfillment is concerned. This wedding that's spoken of here is merely to illustrate a point. It's not to do with the marriage supper of the Lamb in the same way that Christ is not a thief, but he comes as a thief. And he comes as a man returning from a wedding. And you'll notice that it says there in verse number 36, he returns from the wedding, and then he cometh and knocketh. And as soon as he knocks, they open unto him immediately. And that denotes a sense of readiness. Son of God coming back again. And it's like he knocks in the door of this world. And all of a sudden, his people rise up and they open unto him immediately. That speaks of readiness. That speaks of a people who are waiting and watching. That speaks of a people who do not have to put anything in order because everything is right and everything is ready for the coming again of their master. The Bible says, Whenever Hezekiah was an aged man, that a prophet came to him and said, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Have you ever found yourself caught unawares? Some of you husbands, maybe some of your children, your mother, your father pop out for a while, your wife goes out and you've promised to see to something 
And then you see the car coming up the drive and the key turning in the door. And all of a sudden you realize that the things you promised and said you would do and set in order have been left undone and you've got distracted. And I believe that many, many believers, many professing believers will be caught unawares whenever Jesus Christ comes back again. But we should be living in such a way that whenever he comes and knocks, we can open the door immediately. We don't have to make restitution. We don't have to repent or confess sins that we've tried to cover. We don't have to try to put things away that would grieve the Spirit of God. We can immediately respond whenever he comes because everything is ready and all things are in order. This is how we are to wait for Jesus Christ so that we can open to him immediately and without hesitation. Whenever I was a little boy in the summer months, whenever my cousins would be off school, they used to visit us every Wednesday. One was six years older than myself, the other was ten years older, and it was the highlight of the week whenever they would come and visit us. They used to bring some crisps and some soft drinks and a big basket full of toys, and they would leave those toys with us, and then they would collect them the next week and bring others. And we were always so anxious and so excited about the possibility and the prospect of them coming that long before they would arrive, my brother and I would be standing right at the gates on the street waiting for these people to come and visit our homes. We were so anxious and so excited. And I think tonight in the church of Jesus Christ, we have lost that sense of excitement. We have lost that sense of anticipation. We know that Christ is coming back again. We do not know when he will come, but we should be so excited and so ready and so anxious so that whenever he comes, we can open to him immediately. We're watching for him coming every single day. Then the other picture that's given, the other picture the Savior employs is in verse number 39. And the picture this time is of a man breaking into a house, a thief breaking in. Now, that in no way undermines the Lord's integrity. It in no way undermines the Lord's purity. The picture is simply employed to show that the Savior will come back again whenever many people are not expecting Him to come back again at all. So many times in the Gospels and in the epistles and in Revelation as well, the Word of God declares that the day of the Lord will so come as a thief in the night. And most people at night time are sleeping. And the thief can come unawares whenever people aren't thinking about him coming, aren't expecting him to come, aren't waiting to come at all. And so the picture is very vivid. Christ is going to come back again, suddenly, unexpectedly, whenever many people are slumbering and sleeping. And all of a sudden, the Son of God comes back again. You see, the reality is tonight that thieves do not make appointments. Thieves will not consult you as to when the most appropriate time is to burgle your house. Sometimes on social media, it used to be years ago in the classified pages of the local press, 
you would maybe get a window cleaner or a builder or a decorator and they would advertise their services in the paper and you could get them to make an appointment and come to your house and now we have it on social media. But thieves do not do that. They don't send an email or put something up on social media and say, I'm coming to the Lisburn area in the month of December. I hope to be doing your street on such and such a night. Will you be out? Would that be an appropriate time to rob your house and steal your goods? Thieves do not make appointments. And Jesus Christ does not need, neither will he, make an appointment with you regarding his coming again. He's going to come without an appointment as far as you're concerned. But we know that the Father has a day appointed whenever Christ is coming back again. And for many people, it will be unexpected. Christ does not need to make appointments with us. Furthermore, He does not make announcements. Thieves do not announce their coming. They come unexpectedly. They come quietly. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is going to descend from heaven with a great shout and with the trump of God and the voice of the archangel. But he's not going to announce that five minutes or five days or five weeks or five months or five years previously. All of a sudden, in the twinkling of an eye, Jesus Christ is coming back again. It says in verse number 40, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Back in the 1990s, there was a famous American radio preacher and evangelist. His name was Harold Camping. He died about maybe nine years ago. He's a very famous preacher, especially in the West Coast, in California. But his radio broadcasts went out all across America. And it seems that he had a very respected ministry. Many evangelicals, many Bible-believing Christians tuned in faithfully to listen to this man expound the word, and there's every evidence to say he, by and large, was a good Bible teacher and a faithful gospel preacher. But then he got carried away with his whole eschatology, and he predicted that Jesus Christ was going to come back again in 1994. And of course, the Lord did not come back again in 1994, and so he recalculated. He went back to the drawing board. He made a few changes And then he announced that on May the 21st, 2011, would be the day whenever the world would end with the coming again of Jesus Christ. And such was this man's influence that thousands and thousands of believers across America felt that he was right. Some donated millions to his ministry. Others sold up their homes. Others emptied their bank accounts. Some quit their jobs and they went out onto the streets with placards saying that the world was going to end on this particular date. And at last he was left again with a red face. See, people forget that the Bible's very clear. That if that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. What if Jesus Christ was to come back again tonight? Child of God, would you be ready? Would you be able to open to Him immediately? Is everything set in order? Are you ready to leave? And whenever you're going on holidays, if you like to be well organized, usually 
especially the woman folk, they've probably got their suitcases packed for weeks before they go to the airport, got the tickets ready, got the passports ready. If you need some type of medication, you've got that ready as well. And people like to be ready and everything's set in order. Uh, maybe the night before they're going to the airport, everything's sitting there at the front door. Everything is set in order. And this world of ours is a departure lounge. I wonder, are you ready to go at any given moment? Many years ago, a Bible college professor went around all of the students in his Bible class. They were studying eschatology. And he went around the class. There's all sorts of different theological perspectives, different views about the end times and the millennium and all the rest of it. And he began to ask the students, now, do you believe that the Son of God could come back today? And the first student said, sir, I don't think so. And then he asked the next one and the next one right around the class, maybe 20 or 30 students, do you believe that the Son of God could come back today? And all of them to a man said, well, I don't think he's going to come back today. I don't think he'll come back just yet. And then he said, be also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. The pictures the Savior employs. Notice secondly, the planning the Savior expects. The planning the Savior expects. Paul the Apostle said to the believers in the church at Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Now we're told in the Bible that the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief. And we're told that the timing of His coming is unknown to every single one of us. But Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, that day should not overtake you as a thief. He's indicating that you should be planning and preparing all the while. So whenever that day comes, whether it be near or whether it be far, whether it's in your day or in the generations to come, that you're not caught unawares, that you're ready and you've spent much time planning. Notice tonight from verse 35 in this parable, our Lord expects us to be walking with Him and working for Him. The Lord expects us to be walking with Him and working for Him. He says, let your loins be girded. Let your loins be girded. In eastern lands, a belt was drawn around the waist of the long flowing garments. And that was to hold up the lower part of the garments to enable a person to walk without hindrance, if necessary to run, and also to kneel down and work and labor. And so the loins would be girded up with this belt, and the loins would be lifted and girded. It enabled the person to work. It enabled the person to walk without let or without hindrance. And here the Savior says that in a spiritual sense, we need to let our loins be girded. And that indicates that whenever Jesus Christ comes back, we need to be walking with Him. And be odd as well as the Lord enables us to be working for Him. The Scriptures make it very, very clear that the idle servant, the lazy servant, the person who is not working for the Savior, 
The person who is not walking with the Lord is in grave danger regardless of what they profess. This thought has come through in so many of these great parables. You have it in Matthew's Gospel 25 and verse number 24. The man that took his one talent buried it in the ground. And whenever the Lord came back, he said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. And he begins to say that I was so afraid that I took your talent and I hid it in the earth. And here it is, and I'm giving it back to you. And he's got no interest on it. He's done nothing with it. He's just hidden it far away from view and went about his ordinary business and lived for himself only and hasn't thought about investing for time and for eternity. And yet he takes his place as a servant. And yet the Lord answers and says to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I had not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. He says, what about the guy that had the two talents and the the, the, the other fellow that had the, the ten talents? You could have been the same, but you hid your talent in the ground. And you see that a profession doesn't cut it because the Lord says, cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I know that these are solemn things, but we need to stress them again and again and again. The Bible says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What God works into us ought to be worked out. And if we're really saved, we should walk in newness of life. The author of the epistle to the Hebrews said, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Years ago, there was a group of people, they went to a certain uh, garden uh, a certain garden house, you know, one of these places like the National Trust, and they have a beautiful house and beautiful gardens. And this happened to be a house that was occupied. And the residents of the house were away in the, on the continent on a, on, a, on a long break. And as the people were seeing around their gardens, they came across the gardener who was working very, very busily, trimming all of the different plants and deadheading all of the flowers and plucking up leaves and he was working hard and keeping everything in tip-top position and he wasn't stopping for anybody. And somebody says, you must be expecting the, the boss to come back very soon. Is he coming back tomorrow or this week? And he says, I don't know when he's coming back. He hasn't told me. He mightn't come back for another month. But on the other hand, he might come back tomorrow. And so I live and labor as if he could come back at any moment because I want everything to be just right for whenever he returns. And again, that's the type of attitude that the Christian should have, one of walking and one of working. And furthermore, not only does the Lord expect us to be walking for, with him and working for him, but verse 35, the second part of the verse, we ought also to be witnessing. It says, let your lights be burning. Let your loins be girded about and your light's burning. This is the calling of the Christian. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord said to his followers, his disciples, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And we ought to have a witness and a testimony. Whenever the 
bridegroom came and the ten virgins, the ten bridesmaids were all slumbering and sleeping. The wise virgins trimmed their lamps and they allowed their lights to shine. But the foolish virgins found that their lamps had gone out and there was no oil in their lamps at all. And their lamps had gone out. And I'm sure like myself, you have seen many who once sat in these pews and attended these meetings and sat in the prayer meetings as well and maybe over the years witnessed and testified and were involved in the work of God, but the lights have gone out. The Savior said, you should live in such a way that whenever I come back again, the lights are bright and the lights are burning. P.P. Bliss wrote that wonderful hymn, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. Brightly beams our Father's mercy from His lighthouse evermore. But to us He gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. He wrote that hymn after listening to the preaching of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody told the story of a steamship that was coming into the harbor in Cleveland, Ohio, late, late at night, long after the sun had set, and there were hardly any lights. And what usually happened was that there was a large lamp, a large lighthouse at the headland. And then just on the seashore and a little bit out into the sea, you'd get several lower lights, maybe three or four. And those lights would all have lined up in line with the big light, the lighthouse on the headland, and then the lower lights would have lined up. And so the ship would have come in and saw the large light and drawn closer to that. And then the little lights would have appeared and he would have lined them all up. And that gave him a straight course into the harbor. But on that particular night, someone had allowed the lower lights to go out. And all the captain of the ship could see was the large light on the headland. But he needed the smaller, the lower lights to guide him in. He wasn't sure what angle he was coming in at. And at last that ship was dashed upon the rocks. And hundreds of people lost their lives. And D.L. Moody cried out to the congregation, The Master, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world. He's gone up into glory. But we are the lower lights. And we need to let the lower lights be burning. Some poor, sinking, struggling seaman, you may rescue, you may save. I wonder tonight, are we allowing the lower lights to burn? Are we walking with the Lord? Are we working for the Lord? Are we witnessing to the Lord? Furthermore, verse 36, the Lord expects us to be waiting. It says, you yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord. That denotes patience. Sometimes it's very difficult, isn't it, to wait. We live in a world of instant everything. People don't like to wait. People like to have that brand new car straight away without having to save People like to move into that brand new home. People like to have that suite of furniture. People like to get off on that holiday. People like to buy their appliances, their clothes. And we're living in a day where people find it very difficult to wait. And it's the same in a spiritual sense. Many have given up waiting in the Lord. Many have given up in prayer. Many have lost out. They've lost their patience with the Lord. They've thrown in the towel. But the Lord wants us to be patient. He wants us to watch and He wants us to wait. To be found being the people that He wants us to be. Doing the things that He wants us to do. Because as we have said, we don't know the day 
nor the hour. Will you be found waiting whenever Christ comes back again? You know, the Bible says that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Whenever Christ comes back again, many will be caught up. Whenever Christ comes back again, sadly multitudes will be caught out. But also whenever Jesus Christ comes back again, others will be caught on. They maybe had a profession, but they weren't really waiting, living in the light of the Lord's return. He expects us to be walking. He expects us to be working. He expects us to be witnessing. He expects us to be waiting. Verse 37 and verse number 39, He expects us to be watching. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when He cometh, shall find watching. He expects us to be expectant. If you were expecting a thief to come, you would be both prepared and protected. I used to visit a wee man, and for years he worked for the uh, forestry board, and he still lived in a little cottage that he lived in for virtually his entire life, and it was a way up a big long lane. The lane was maybe a third of a mile long, an old stone lane with potholes everywhere. And he lived in this little cottage at the very top of that lane, surrounded by trees. He was about 90 years of age, He was a small, wiry little man, just spoke his mind. He must have smoked about 50 or 60 cigarettes a day. He never stopped smoking. And one time, burglars came to his house. And they stole his chainsaw, and they stole his lawnmower, and they took some of his goods. And I said to him, well, how do you cope living up here now that you've been burgled? And he just wagged his finger at me and says, I keep a loaded shotgun under, under, I keep a loaded shotgun under the pillow. Two cartridges in it. And he says, anybody comes through my door? He says, it'll be the last time they'll go through anybody's door. And he was dead serious. Friends, he was prepared. And if you thought that a thief was going to break into your house, you would have the doors locked. You'd maybe have two shotguns. You'd maybe have your friends and neighbors and big brother and Uncle Andy around looking after your house. You'd maybe have the police notified as well. And if we know that Christ is coming back, then we need to be prepared. Amos 4.12, prepare to meet thy God. And then as well, we need to be protected. If you knew a thief was coming, you would be watching, you'd be prepared, you'd be protected. You'd have an alarm system. You'd probably have a security light on as well. Years ago, there was a man came to our house and he spoke to my dad. He was selling these security lights. Most of us have them now. I'm sure they're at the church here as well. And He's giving a sales pitch, and Dad says, now what would I do with this light? And he says, well, it means if you're sleeping in bed, and somebody comes, for example, and they're going to steal your car, they go around the back of the house, and the light comes on. And my dad said, are you serious? He says, if somebody's going to steal my car, he says, they can do it in the dark. He says, I don't have to have, have a light on for them to steal the car, and he didn't buy the security lights. He didn't need to be protected, he thought. He just got the wrong end of the stick. But I wonder tonight, are you protected? I wonder tonight, are you washed in the blood? I wonder tonight, are you clothed in the garments of Christ's righteousness? Because whenever the Son of God comes back again, yes, you need to be prepared, but we also need to be 
protected, washed in the blood, clothed in the garments of salvation. The pictures the Savior employs, the planning the Lord expects, notice in closing the privileges the Lord ensures. Verse 37, hard to fathom just how wonderful these words are. I dare say tonight, very few of us have ever given them much thought or consideration. An old German scholar by the name of Bengel regarded verse number 37 as the greatest single promise in all the Bible, the greatest promise in all the Word of God. Look at what it says. Blessed. So there's blessing in store. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when He cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that He shall gird Himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. Isn't that a remarkable verse? It says, He shall gird Himself. That's the meekness. The meekness He displays. He will don the garments of a servant. Takes us back to the night that the Lord, before He went to the cross, John 13, having broke bread with His disciples, and they were sitting around the table, the Lord took a basin, and He took a towel, and he girded himself, and he took the place of a servant, and he began to wash the feet of his disciples, and then from there he went straight to the cross. What an amazing scene it was. Such majesty, and yet such meekness. Such glory, and yet such grace. Such loveliness, and yet such lowliness. Can you imagine it in time, the Lord kneeling down and girding himself and serving his disciples, washing their feet. And yet it says that in eternity, whenever we sit down in glory, the Son of God himself will gird himself, the meekness he will display. And then it says he will make them sit down to meet. There's the meal that he will provide. Whenever the disciples forsook the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they all forsook him and fled, Shortly after the Lord rose from the dead and they had gone out fishing and they had toiled all night and they'd taken nothing, the Lord called them to cast the net on the right side of the ship and they drew in this miraculous draft of fishes. And they didn't need one fish to feed themselves because whenever they came to the shore, the Lord said, come and dine with me. And they discovered that all things were ready and he had a meal prepared for them. It speaks of fellowship. And the Lord loves to fellowship with sinners. He loves to fellowship with His people. The Bible says, This man sitteth at meat with sinners. And He said to the church at Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. I wonder, have you ever opened the door? I wonder, have you ever responded? I wonder, are you sitting at the table of the Lord? David said, he prepares a table before me. So as we think about the privileges the Savior ensures, you've got the meekness he displays. You've got the meal that he provides. And you've also got the ministry, the ministry that he fulfills. Verse 37, he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet. And isn't this an incredible text? And he shall come forth and serve them. Now there's a sense in which we will serve him forever and ever and ever. 
But whenever we enter into glory and the Lord comes back again, the Bible says that He will make us to sit down to meet. And He Himself will come forth and serve them. Son of Man did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister and give His life a ransom for many. He served His disciples before He went to the cross in John 13. And then in John 21, after the cross, after the resurrection, He came and served them again. And there's coming a day whenever He will serve His people in glory. Such grace, such mercy, such condescension. The child of God is everything to look forward to. The end is not yet. The best is still to come. But it's so imperative tonight, so important that we are ready. That we're like the watchful servants, excited, expectant that Jesus Christ is coming back again. I wonder tonight, can I ask you, are you ready? Are you watching? Are you waiting? Are you walking with Him? Are you working for Him? Are you witnessing? Are you worshiping? May God bless you and may God write His word upon our hearts.